On this special episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Steve Hackett's Genesis Revisited. Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory and friend of the Palaver Ken Fuller as we cover Steve Hackett's Genesis Revisited. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for uh, agreeing to report on the the Steve Hackett show that you guys recently saw at the beautiful Keswick Theater. Um, so 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 Ken, we met up for the musical box and labored on that and uh, enjoyed it so much that, that that we're back for an actual member of Genesis. Yes, and. Uh... He did a good job considering, didn't he? <laughs> considering. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh my goodness. Wow. No, it, was, it was, I mean, the, uh, the combination, such a great combo. Spectral Mornings, Selling England by the Pound, Smattering of Tunes from his latest album. It was, that's, that was a great combination, a great night of music, I thought. Oh, indeed. So indeed. I'm, I'm, gi- I'm giving high marks. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I plan I, to be elated the next 40 minutes. Yeah, so I've, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone who's ever seen a Steve Hackett show say anything bad about it, though, Ken. I, I, you know, it just so I, I would be amazed if you guys had anything else to report. So the, the show in question that we're talking about was September 28th at the, uh, the Keswick Theater, and... Um, as Ken Fuller had mentioned, then Steve is celebrating both Selling England by the Pound as well as the 40th anniversary of Spectral Morning. So that's, yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty solid lineup. And um, looking at Setlist FM, it looks like he, he basically just split it right down the middle. So he had his solo stuff first, and then he had the Genesis set and then he came back for an encore. So I'll be interested to get in to you know how that that flowed as a as a as a full concert. What you know what there was to compare and contrast against the two, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I did want to talk quickly, maybe about impressions of the band that that he's he's traveling with. I don't know. Personally, um, having never seen Steve Hackett, um, you know, I've, I've listened to to live cuts for some of the things that we've done here on the Palaver. Um, I've probably seen a couple of clips on YouTube, but I've never seen Steve in person. So Nad Sylvan, the, the the vocalist, he's been with Steve for quite some time, right? Yes, he has. Um, and Roger King. Uh, who's on keyboards has been his keyboard player and musical director. I think he uh, is okay. also considered uh, for a long, long time. And Rob Townsend on flute and clarinet and saxophone and all those other woodwinds has been there a long time too. 
Um, so yeah, that's a solid that's a solid core of people playing with Steve. Okay, so so those three are sort of the 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 old time core, if you will, and then we have Craig Blundell on drums and percussion. Oh my! Oh who, my! Who uh, we have most recently seen touring with Stephen Wilson. Indeed. Ah, okay. And very very happy to uh, to see Craig involved in in this tour as well. It's always nice when you see, you know, musicians that you like you know, getting hooked up with other artists that you sort of admire. It's almost like the Lee Pomeroy effect. Lee Pomeroy is, is almost the Where's Waldo of, of bass players. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember I had no idea that he was, he was on, uh, actually, I guess I did a little bit um, when he was with Jeff Lynn's ELO, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't need Lee Pomeroy, but, Always happy to have him there, you know. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> and, I, and I've seen Pomeroy with Hackett as well. Oh, have you? Yes, yes. At least uh, a couple of shows ago. Yeah. Oh. He seems to change bass players quite regularly. Interesting. Ah. Uh, uh, well, Jonas fits right in. Yeah, so that gets us to Jonas Reingold, who, uh, who's the bass, the bass player currently. So, you know, any, any general thoughts about these guys? Like I said, we... We know a little bit. I know a little bit about Craig, but I, and I've heard Nat obviously a lot. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing seasoned professionals, everything went well. I'm going to let Ken talk about this because he had seriously different seats to me. <laughs> Ken was in the second row. I saw the right pictures. in front of Jonas and. Uh, uh, and so, and I was way, way back by the soundboard. So uh, they sounded great, but I didn't see them as well as Ken did. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my my schedule was up in the air. I couldn't commit, and by the time I went to buy the tickets, it was feast or famine. I was either in the second row or I was all the way in the back. <laughs> Damn it, I'm going for it. So uh, got a pair of second row tickets, and, and Dave was more than happy to tag along. So uh, big shout out to David Vanderhoof of uh, the Airplane Geeks podcast. So he's recording his own podcast tonight. He can't join us again. But um, fantastic uh, view from the second row uh, right in front of uh, Craig and Jonas. Now, I had seen Craig with Stephen Wilson uh, in Philadelphia at the Fillmore earlier in the year. Uh, and, and just just truly remarkable seeing him close up like that. He, he, he's, he's a real powerhouse. He's got so much energy. Uh, and he even came out and sang uh, when, when appropriate. Yes, yes, came to the edge of the stage with his own mic and, and lended his voice. Uh, so he's multi-talented. Um, oh, wow, Jonas Reingold. He, he wowed the crowd with double neck uh, instrument bass on the bottom and 12 string guitar on the top. Oh, so he, he really was channeling uh, Mike Rutherford then. There you go. And vocal skills to boot. Uh, he, he, he lended far more vocals than, than I had anticipated. Um, and just, just the band as a whole, uh, we talked about uh, Rob King, uh, Roger King and Rob Townsend. Oh my goodness. The, the two of them together, in the same frequencies with some of the same vibes never sticking stepping on each other's toes and the intonation of rob townsend is off the charts when, when, when he's doubling 
Steve or doubling uh, Roger, for that matter, on some of the classic Tony Banks melody. It, it's breathtaking. Really? Yeah. And, and on what instrument will he double either of those two? Primarily soprano sax. His control on, on soprano sax would, would indicate to me that it's one of his primary in instruments, but he whipped out the baritone, and he, he was a powerhouse there as well. <laughs> wow. Okay. Guy can do everything. I'm curious, then. Oh, he put Peter Gabriel's flute playing to shame. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, with... but he didn't have a little bass drum, did he? he well, see. <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I echo everything Ken just said about uh, Rob and Roger. Excellent stuff. That's funny, poor uh, poor Pete. We love we love Peter Gabriel, but uh, you know he was he was never going to be a world renowned flautist. What about before before wrapping that up that section? Uh, I just invite folks to go to Nad Sylvan's website, and he's articulate and entertaining, and um, he's an artist unto his own right. So so check out his backstory, and uh, j just know that he he does the uh, Peter Gabriel vocals justice. And uh, he, he, he's a bit different than Phil Collins, but just glorious in his interpretation. So I was, I was going to ask about Nad. Uh, you know, again, uh, Ken Gregory, you and I have seen, you know, clips on YouTube. Ken Fuller, you, you've seen Steve and with, with Nad live before. I, yep. I, I was, I'm curious how if there's a difference in the hall, you know how sometimes when you're actually in the hall with a performer, there can be some sort of extra energy that maybe doesn't get transmitted through recorded medium. It is, does, does Nad have that or is it pretty much as you would expect based on, on what we've seen on recordings at this point? No, he kind of gets into character a little bit. So you see that he, he kind of dresses up a bit. Um, not not to the extent that like Gabriel used to do, but he's he's into that. He has slightly different uh, emphasis on different words. You know you know how when you know a recording really well or an, uh, a live recording really well, you're kind of vaguely singing it in your head as well, and so you emphasise something, and he does it slightly differently, but not not to uh, in a negative way, just just different. Sure. Uh, I I think it's very his solo albums, his recent solo albums are very good. Uh, and uh, I, I like him as a singer, but interestingly, and I guess we're going to get there, but the first half of this, he doesn't have a lot to do in the first half of this hmm. concert. There's a lot of instrumental, and so he's kind of flitting in and out a bit. Interesting. Do you think, agree, Ken? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he kind of took pride in that character where he could almost theatrically enter and exit. You know, <laughs> he made it. He made it work for his style. Yeah, right, right. I agree. As he kind of looms, comes out of the fog from the back of the stage to into the spotlight, yeah. <laughs> sing, sings his verse, and then fades back into the, the really? smoke. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, you know, it, it it sounds as you're describing it to be very deliberate. Then, you know, this is this is the way they sort of staged this part of the show and. Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, otherwise the, the poor guy would either be standing there for a long time doing doing nothing, you know, <laughs> maybe shaking a tambourine or something, but 
doing nothing, or marching on and marching off, and that would be very um, disruptive, I guess, really. So doing it this way kind of adds a little bit to the atmosphere. Interesting. I, I would draw a parallel to what we saw uh, at Yes 50. I don't know if you recall, but during soon, where Billy came in and out for the backing vocal. And they did that on the on the topographic drama tour as well when um, Steve and John were doing the Leaves of Green section, Billy would kind of materialize out of nowhere very subtly, <laughs> you know, sing some harmonies and then just sort of whoosh, disappear again. It was, it was pretty cool. So yeah, I, I definitely get the, uh, the concept. Now, obviously we haven't talked about um, the man himself. So Steve Hackett, what, what does Steve Hackett, the guitarist, you know, bring to the table? I, I think I know, but is it is live? Is it is it any different? Ken's Ken Gregory's got this huge grin on his face, so apparently uh, it must have worked for you, Ken. Well, I, I'm emulating the grin from Mister Hackett. <laughs> he enters with joy. He gets to work. He has a, a serious look, but he his, his his default interaction with the crowd is very jovial, and he refers to you know. It, it, it was a two-day affair at this theater, the 27th and the 28th, and, and he insisted that the, the party started on the 27th and went straight through to the 28th without stopping. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's looking out for the well-being of his patrons and, uh, and, and insisting that we're all free to have a good time. Uh, he, 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 he records and writes with a, a, a bit of a uh, mystery. He's, he's somehow like scholarly and he makes references to classical, you know, motifs, but you know, he's, 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 he's still a, a bit of a, a ruckus teenager at heart. Really? Uh, he's such a, a different character to how he was when he started. I mean, you've seen, you know, old Genesis pictures and that, and, you know, he's hunched over, he's sitting down on a stool. He's hunched over the guitar. Uh, it, it's very serious. He doesn't say anything at any time. Uh, and and he, he's coming in and playing and, and then walks off. He's so much looser now. He was funny. He talked practically between every song. Uh, he reacted. If, if somebody in the crowd shouted out something, he reacted to that. Uh, he was clearly, clearly enjoying himself. He's obviously thoroughly enjoying this tour. That's cool. So, so Steve plays MC for the night. Ned does not fulfill that role. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. So it, it is. It's Steve's show, and that's the way it is. Yep. Does at this point, I imagine he's comfortable in that role. It sounds oh, like looked, it. He looked very comfortable to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, he <laughs> even sang. He even sang. He doesn't normally hasn't much in the past sung, I don't think, but uh, uh, he, he was singing too. So uh, that was unusual, I thought. Ken, you've seen him before, right? Um, I, no. This, I meant this Ken was Fuller. A, <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. I've seen <laughs> the first time I saw him was uh, Hammersmith Odeon, June 1979. Really? And that was it was the spectral mornings tour oh wow and right. i only figured that out when when during the tour i go 
this reminds me, was this the one? And I looked back later and yep, the, the album came out in May of 79 and he toured and, and I saw him with my brother, uh, June 79. That's amazing. And that sets up my next question absolutely perfectly. This is not, uh, this was not rehearsed before we got on air. So how then, I guess maybe when you were describing Steve earlier, I mean, was that Steve on the Spectral Mornings tour? I mean, how, how is he, how was he then compared to how he is now? Um, well, he was, he, the, the, the sitting down hunched over was in the, the Genesis period before that. Okay. But uh, no, he was standing up by then. He had his own band. Um, I actually dug out the Spectral Mornings uh, CD, you know, before we uh, talked. Here it is. There you go. And uh, he says on it, uh, I cannot thank enough the incredibly versatile musicians who appear on this record. Six months ago, I was looking for some musicians just to play my existing music live. I'm now proud to say that they have become my band. Um, and that was the band that, that, that toured the album. And he, I recall he was very comfortable then it was that was a great show right it was actually released as a there's some uh cds called live archives and mm -hmm. there's actually uh that that hammersmith the show is is on the cd and it's a great show um and and he talks somewhat on that but not not like last night no he's he's, he's much much looser uh and relaxed on stage than than he was back then 40 years is a long time <laughs> to get loose. Right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a long time. <laughs> I mean, he concurred with what's written in the wikis that, that Spectrum Mornings was a nonstop party. And, and you, you could say because it was so cold and they were shut in and, and had nothing to do but party. Um, but he did make a reference to that uh, on, on stage. Uh, that may have been... The album may have been written with a sense of sobriety, but certainly re re recorded in the context of a big party. Interesting. Yes. Yes. And, and the exact quote was, and not a bad state to be. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not when you're, uh, you're a young man coming off the, uh, the highs that, of Genesis. Absolutely. So let's talk then about, I think that, that gets us, really well into the first set which celebrates spectral mornings um as well as some of the tracks from his new record that's right yeah the edge at the edge of light is the latest album how did these songs sort of fit together how did this set flow was it was it what you were looking for did you want something else was there some sort of jarring discontinuity between the old and the new what were your feelings he um, he opened up with Every Day. That's a great opener. Uh, everybody's on stage and Ad's on stage singing. It's it's a really uh, good opener. And then the next three songs were from the new album. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not familiar enough with it. I have it. But uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know the songs. Uh, the first one he played, Under the Eye of the Sun, uh, was another ensemble piece and quite upbeat uh, I enjoyed it the next two kind of flowed into each other and and he described them I think as uh, dark uh, and Ooh. that that that's fair I like dark uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but but I wasn't familiar enough with them to, uh, to to say any more than that. Really, the rest of the set, the first half, was then Spectral Mornings, uh, which I, I knew well. So that was a different feel. But I th- I think it was almost like he got the new stuff out of the way early, so he could focus perhaps on what people wanted to listen to. Maybe that maybe that's not fair, but it, that's how it seemed to me. Yeah, I mean that's. When we talk about these these progressive rock bands that are forty and fifty years old and, and all of that, that's always sort of the the fine line that you walk, right? You want to play different things and yet yes has to play roundabout in every show, you know? <laughs> I wish they wouldn't, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always call that the the run for the parking lot. <laughs> Again, um, I did not in any way, shape, or form set up or coach Mr. Fuller on that response. <laughs> <laughs> I was merely trying to make a point. But, but yeah, um, you know, and, and I don't know. You wish there was a way that you could just enjoy everything and not necessarily feel like he was, quote, getting things out of the way. Mr. Gregory, your thoughts? The new tracks uh, performed... Uh, second, third, and fourth tracks in, in, in the concert um, do not appear quite that order on the record, but um, they are energetic. They highlight the band very well. It's interesting to note that Steve wrote with Roger King. He wrote with his uh, his brother, uh, John, who appears on many of the uh, historical recordings in, in Steve's catalog. And it's very interesting to see that uh, I think his wife, Joe Hackett, contributed to Beasts in Our Time, which would have been the fourth track in the set. Uh, a good segue to uh, her birthday. Steve celebrated her birthday on stage with uh, a cake and some flowers. Really? And, uh, yes. yes. Oh, and we all fun. sang, didn't we? Yes, we all sang. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 so maybe some of uh, Steve's joy is through Joe or, you know, the fact that it was a birthday. But I appreciated his demeanor the whole time. That, that, that was a good portion of the set, not all a distraction. I think Steve continues to make interesting albums um, with, and eclectic albums. Um, I, as you mentioned them just now, I wish I could say the same for yes. Uh, I it won't bother me if I never hear anything from heaven and earth again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think because he makes interesting albums, he he should. Uh, put some some songs in there and uh, so i'm glad he did and it makes me want to go okay i've got to go and listen to that album properly now uh, because i haven't before well for the record uh on the flavor we seem to like subway walls to ascend in many of the tracks on heaven and earth (laughs) (laughs) we can scroll back to that episode okay so and this is why i'm not a regular on the (laughs) pull-out Steve's first four songs were, were a perfect opening to the set, conveyed a lot of uh, energy. 
And the fifth track was a true homecoming to me. So that's when he hit the meat of Spectrum Mornings, which for me is The Virgin and the Gypsy. And although I had not listened to it probably in 20 years, it, it, it really came back to me. I remember the words, I remember the melodies. And the fact that Steve was singing himself was, was a pure joy. And his delivery yes. was spot on. Um, his, his mic placement and his EQ was spot on. And I really felt in the presence of Steve while he sang that track. That's cool. Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful. So, so and the, the sorry, the, no. the guy I was with, my buddy uh, Mike Brophy, he said to me, "What was that track? Have, have you got that? I must listen to that again." I mean, it, it was it sounded gorgeous. Oh, that sounds great! Now, Ken Gregory, you Spectral Mornings and and Steve's earlier solo stuff played a a, a significant role in your development as a musician back in the day, correct? Yeah, I I I, I have that exposure to. Uh, some of this stuff, um, my mom exposed me to Frank, Frank Zappa, believe it or not, when I was younger. She had some jazz recordings. When I got to college, uh, my best friend there turned me on to Return to Forever and Chikoria. So I have this, like, the freaky side of me that comes from different people I've met along the way and or been forced to live with. And <laughs> and, and, and Steve was, was like... Like one of those freaky, you know, you don't whip out the Steve Hackett when you when you go down to that party in the dorm. It's like, hey, guys, let's rock to this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't something you talked about, but it's just something that stayed with me years and years. Like like very similar to the the jazz influences I had. Yeah, and and I mean, it wasn't something that I could really cover other than you know Horizons and and, uh, and complexity kind of blew me away but it, 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 it it's it's definitely woven into my musical vocabulary it's interesting i was looking at uh, wikipedia this afternoon and about this particular album spectral mornings and it, it made the comment the track itself spectral mornings is supposedly has inspired many guitarists it said including steve rothery now there's a guy that we all uh, know and love and, and i can see why too, why that would inspire us a guitar player. Well, that's a, a good segue to actually what, you know, what I noticed the most about Steve as a guitar player. Um, he has fingernails, which, which I did for a while. I wanted to emulate that style. Um, and when he does his finger taps, he's actually tapping with a pick, which is very characteristic of what you see him do in the old videos, sitting on the chair. Uh, and, 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 and the tones that he gets are, you know, even with the old amp distortions and the old pedals, they're, they're very synth-like. He always found these round, melodic tones that kind of, like, breathed a little bit like a, a synthesizer or a wind instrument. And I, I, I always dug Hackett for those reasons. You mean after Foxtrot? <laughs> <laughs> quality, quality may vary so. <laughs> yeah yeah he he evolved over time and and and, and you, you caught all those elements in, in, in the live show because he, he had the um the really iconic um les paul style gold guitar with the whammy bar which is, you know, pretty unique to him. You don't see a lot of that style with the whammy bar. No, that that is not something that you see every day. 
so what was what was then the highlight for each of you in this first set? Like, what was the song that that really just made you go, "Wow, okay, cool." I actually think Spectral Mornings probably, uh, but I really enjoyed the drum solo in at the end of Clocks, uh, and that must have been something special for you, Ken, as it was right in front of you. I mean, he was going for it. It was it was great playing on the, the little uh, cymbals and the hi-hats and everything i mean it was just it was a really good drum solo on the ver- on the studio version of clocks it isn't anywhere near as long as he played uh, saturday night but it was that was excellently done great drum and, you, and as you said you've seen him before with uh, uh stephen wilson so uh, you were already familiar with him i was not but uh, th- that was excellent I so want to say, yeah, yeah, uh, Blundell is, is um, he, he's worth every uh, effort from, from the Pasty Drum Company um, because uh, uh, I, I, I think they sponsor him and, and, and he makes incredible use of the, uh, the smaller splash symbols with the holes in them. Mm-hmm. And like really, really, he doesn't abuse them. He brings them out when they're, when they're needed and he does such a great job. With it. He, he, he makes all that stuff sound like I, I want to go out and just buy it right away <laughs> and i'm not even drumming <laughs> yeah, i don't know if your your uh your downstairs neighbors or whatever you call them would really appreciate it if you start bringing in a bunch of drum stuff Ken. exactly no I, I i would wreak havoc here yeah <laughs> i mean you got a great standing ovation after that and it was well deserved yeah mm-hmm. I, I i was i was perplexed curious when i saw the the drum solo mentioned on set list because i don't know you're going to a guitarist show i don't know that i would have necessarily anticipated or expected a drum solo but good for uh good for craig yeah blundell's he's a machine okay so 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 clocks would have been the end of that first set and they gave us a a pretty long break there 20 minutes oh really yeah 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 and um yeah there, there there was palpable energy we were like really left waiting for dancing with the moonlit night <laughs> and when it finally hit I, I think it was a huge you know powerful in the room um so, so yeah, did, ha- did everyone go ape shit when he came back out and and started selling england <laughs> or well, it's kind of an interesting way to start, isn't it? Because it starts just with the vocal, right. dancing with the moonlit night. So they all came on, and people were actually were still filtering back into the theatre, which I thought was, you know, you're, you're crazy. Why, why aren't you out here sitting down already? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Nad comes forward and just starts singing. And, wow, that's, that's it. We're, we're off. <laughs> uh, here we go. Yeah, and uh, so it's a somewhat it's a gentle start to the the, the second half, if you like, because of that being the opening track. You recently talked on your podcast about selling England by the pound, and uh, for me, that's such a great album. I mean, there's so many highlights on that Moonlit Night, Firth of Fifth, uh, which I will go on record and say is the best Genesis song ever and i know <laughs> joe it's not on duke i realize that but that's, nevertheless, it's not on duke but that's okay i and I, I agree there's something palpable about um firth of fist so i'm with you ken so you've got that you've got cinema show you've even got epping forest and i know you have uh, some views on that one <laughs> but i mean what a gr- what what a 
when you consider that album followed Foxtrot and they came out with this really English album. Right. And then the next album was a very American album, you know, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. They kind of swung or Peter swung totally the other way. But um, it, there's so many great things on on uh, Selling England. It, that, it, it was great to just run through that album in order. And they absolutely did it justice. Yeah, I mean, when, when we were doing that segment of the Palaver, I had made the comment that as I was doing my prep work for our Genesis segment, where I would, you know, I, I'd try to spend, you know, six, eight weeks, maybe even more, depending on how much time I have at my disposal, just kind of randomly going through whatever catalog we're, we're getting ready for. And, you know, I, I, I would rotate between, you know, early Genesis as to which was my favorite record at any given time. So, you know, selling England by the pound, uh, for a while was was at the top of that list absolutely i mean it's all of that stuff is so enjoyable and all yeah i th i think all of the albums with the exception of maybe foxtrot i think foxtrot is just fantastic front to finish but you know they're all they all have really really strong moments and they all have some moments that you're kind of like well okay yeah whatever <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, I, I think it's interesting. Let me ask a, 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 just a sort of a, a philosophical question of of both of you guys. But Ken Fuller, since since you're a friend of the Palaver, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. How do you guys feel about this this notion of these bands performing albums in their entirety? Is is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it is it just a thing? I I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed Yes doing the three album tour and then the uh, topographic d drama tour. Um, I think I might have said the last time you kindly uh, invited me to join you when we talked about the musical box. I have this bad habit of listening to songs on my iPod on shuffle. So true <laughs> to, to, to hear the songs as the bands intended them to be played uh, because they made albums, they, they sequenced them like that for a, a reason, I believe. And to hear them like that again uh, brings out some things that, that you may miss when you hear them in isolation, especially when they're followed by some poppy thing by somebody else totally, when, which happens when you're on shuffle. Um, so I, I've really... Uh, enjoyed that i enjoyed it very much with yes i enjoyed that very much uh last night with steve doing this with selling england by the pound uh, it's 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 great to hear them like that it gives us an, an opportunity to experience it much with the same excitement that we fell in love with you and this one i i know what i like in your wardrobe such a wonderful vibe with steve singing full-throated singing along with the rest of the band just uplifting. And for the fifth, um, th 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 this version seemed to smooth out everything I could have picked apart in the original. Really? It, 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 was, it was a very luscious orchestration with both Roger and Robert. Um, I'm trying to remember if the soprano sax covered a flute or if he had an actual flute. But yeah, Firth was, was, was very dense and welcoming and 
felt really strong all time. And the only criticism I have of this entire album reproduction is not from the band, but it's from some random in the audience. Who, <laughs> during a Phil Collins vocal and more fool me, someone randomly screams Gabriel <laughs> as if, as if, that was the proper thing to do to pay tribute to Peter Gabriel. I have no idea what that was all about. The only thing, I mean, I, I, I was captivated by this album reproduction from start to finish. And, 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 and with just that fleeting moment, um, and the, the whole thing was pretty fluid for me. I, I'm excited to hear that, that um, Firth of Fifth was, was well received by you, Ken. Um, I was, I, I remember being a little bit sad that, there was not sort of un a unanimous declaration of how great that song was, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that they were able to, to sort of sort this out. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested. I, I've always been somewhat fascinated by, I know what I like in your wardrobe because that was always sort of, you know, the, the hit that I, uh, my impression is that was the hit that maybe wasn't supposed to be, and it kind of took everyone by surprise. So I, I can only imagine a certain fondness that Steve would have for that song. Yeah, they really extended that song too at the end. It was a bit of a guitar freakout in a way. At, oh, really? Uh, towards the yeah. end of it, yeah, 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 so, yeah. Very, very well received. Yeah, they almost went a little bit funk-like. It was. Jo yeah, a jovial extension. The only thing that they took out of I Know What I Like is the, in your show, the, the very last, very high falsetto vocal. I think that they, they opted to do away with that silliness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that whimsy, if you will. <laughs> well, talking of whimsy, Ken, what did you think about Epping Forest? I um, <laughs> Well, I had, I had I'll let ask. you two talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in the Palaver's uh, first go-through, or, you know, primary go-through with, with Epping Forest, we, we, we created a lot of laughter and, and whatnot. And, and the word Epping became um, a bit of a foul language by the time we were done with it. Right? <laughs> so, and, and after the ordeal is just the cleanup of... The epping mess that came before it, I suppose. Is that is that how we ended it? That's how I but, ended it. Yes, <laughs> but but <laughs> I mean, I truly love, and, and I, I stated this in our episode. I truly love Peter's story and, and, and Peter's delivery, and in particular the recording quality of Peter's voice in that song. It, it, it it's something that I, I suppose with some of the over reverberated production in in the early genesis catalog it's just amazing to get the clarity of, of pete's voice that you get on selling england by the pound and and i love the the, the story and the and the, and the dialect that well the, the many characters the many dialects that he comes up with in that song because it's a theatrical piece so 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 i i would say that you know given the live setting and the technology in the live room nad did as well as could be expected portray some of those characters voices he, he, you know he was into it he was definitely into the into the two i i, 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 I 
I can't imagine <laughs> you could phone in that performance, right? You you have to you have to get yourself into a place to to sort of commit to that. So Nad handled the vocals pretty much by himself then? They didn't that, trade off? Robert yeah. did a great job with the fill parts. Robert, okay. the woodwind player. Um, so he was not alone, but by no means was he alone. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to recall if Jonas uh, did anything there with Epping. But if I have to, you know, talk about the, the peak of Epping, it, it's, it's just seeing Lundell nailing those odd times. Just really delighting in those little quick fills and changes in between sections. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a it's a crazy song, isn't it? It's a lot of words. So uh, <laughs> Nad an did that. Yeah, <laughs> Nad did that really well. Uh, and uh, yes, as you said about Rob doing the fills, like you know, Louise is the Reverend hard to please, and Rob would go, "You're telling me." <laughs> and actually, so did half the audience. By the yeah, way, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and I found myself. You know, singing along, even singing along in your head, it's hard to get all the words in. <laughs> there are a lot of words. <laughs> I can't even think that fast. <laughs> so, I mean, but, uh, overall, then, Epping Forest came off okay. I mean, it landed, it worked. Yeah, yeah I think it, it worked as well as it ever did. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, the so. only fault of that song is it doesn't have a big, glorious ending. It, 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 it falls into the category of the can utility songs, which is kind of randomly end when they run out of material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and end, ending, well, ending songs. Was it, never there was no one left alive, suit. so it was a draw, right? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> See, I think that's an, that's another particularly English thing. In in this country, you don't like draws. Right. In so sport. someone has to win. You've got to have a result. <laughs> Somebody's got to win. Well, in England, in so soccer, football, I shall call it, you have draws a lot, and that's okay. And in cricket, too. <laughs> so in the Battle of Epic Forest, it was a draw. This is very English. <laughs> oh, I mean, all right. So, so if, if, if I ever accidentally find myself punting on the cam, as they say... <laughs> What, at your at your garden party. Yes, at my garden party. Then I will expect a draw. I'll know what's coming. <laughs> oh, so, so that's your Epping Forest joke. Glad you asked. <laughs> he didn't ask. I brought it up. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, I was going to, but but Ken did it for me. So I beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> But but for, for, if you want the traditional prog rock experience, you you just hang out um, through after the ordeal and mellow out with some 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 beautiful packet uh, styling, and then you're hit with a, a full plate of prog rock in the cinema show. Yeah. There's nothing left to be desired at that point. That is such a gorgeous song. Yeah, that's that's a you know that's just a killer way to uh, just. To get into that, that that must be, that must have been an, an incredible moment. I would imagine. I, I would I would see that as a song that probably translates extraordinarily well in the live setting. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's the one where when Genesis did it, they just had the three of them on stage at the end. The three meaning Banks, Rutherford, and Collins on drums. Um, I believe 
this time, uh, Nad had disappeared into the, the, the mist at the back of the stage again. Uh, but Rob stayed on stage, I think, playing some percussion and uh, things. But beautifully done. Great. And, of course, then this album comes to a close with with another wind down, uh, you know, soft ending with that Isle of Plenty. Right. Which, uh, would often get missed live, but they didn't. They played it, and uh, uh, and so the the album drifts slowly, quietly to a very soft conclusion. Beautiful, and the audience were quiet. Were they? True. true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. No Philly snowballs or throwing snowballs at Santa or whatever it is that we do here. I, I think that's all urban myth. I don't think we actually ever did any of that. <laughs> so, so they wind down with Isle of Plenty, and then they go into Deja Vu and finish up with Dance on a Volcano. Yeah, so let's talk about Deja Vu. Uh, Ken, you figured out where you originally heard that? So... Steve introduced that. As, I was a bit curious about his introduction because he introduced it as here's something that uh, has been unplayed for about 40 years, uh, but we're going to play it for you tonight. And when it started, I thought, I've heard this before, but I couldn't figure out why or in what context. So on the way back to my buddy's house, I'm on my iPod trying to look for it. And I found it. Deja Vu was recorded by Steve in 1996. And it's on his album, Genesis Revisited, which is right. this one, studio album. Got that one. And, and uh, Paul Carrick is mm. the vocalist uh, and uh, of Mike and the Mechanics fame, amongst other things, Squeeze and people uh, and, and on this cd it's it's credited to gabriel and hackett he said it was started by pete uh, and steve hackett finished it um so i just thought his introduction was a bit odd it was as if uh, he'd forgotten this or maybe he didn't think anybody knew that it, he'd done it uh, right. 20 odd years ago uh, and it was uh, coming out now um, and something else I found odd when I dug out my CD, it's got a Japanese insert. So I, I'm now curious as to when the heck did I buy this and how did I get it? <laughs> which which I, I really don't know. It's all in Japanese. Um, so it's uh, um, uh, it's a bit odd. But, uh, yeah, so as I was listening to it, I thought, I can hear this in my head, but with a different vocalist. Who was the vocalist? Um, so that was an unusual track to play, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is the first time it's been played live as opposed to having been recorded. Right. So maybe that's what he was really uh, getting at. Um, but that was nice to hear. Nice to hear. Mm. And then it went into Dance on a Volcano. Now, Ken Gregory, Dance on a Volcano, not your favorite Genesis track. I, as long as there are no shrill sounds at the beginning, right? It, 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 it's the samba whistle that freaks me out and puts me in a bad state of mind. So I'm not sure. I, I, I don't recall how they emulated that, but it was it, it was tastefully done. And uh, I, I definitely appreciated the coherence from Dance on a Volcano through um, Los Santos. 
which which wasn't a pure Los Endos. It was a, a, a medley in itself. But 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 I, 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 it, chills, definite chills created by, by this this whole outro, this whole section. Yeah, two great numbers to end on. I mean, you couldn't end on Isle of Plenty. It would be right, a bit yeah. of a yeah. Yeah. Although, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go back to the Stephen Wilson show that I saw, where he finished up with the Raven that refused to sing, which still just boggles my mind because <laughs> that is not a song that you end a show on. But <laughs> he did it, and my brain was like melting out of my head as I'm <laughs> as I'm walking out of the show. So. You know, that it, gives me goosebumps. That song. Yeah, it, it was it was creepy as all hell, and I, you know, he he's finished. And I'm like, seriously, that's it, and it was uh, it was amazing. Now, the Raven. Well, that's that a great segue to there is a Stephen Wilson mix of Spectrum Warnings, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is there? Did he do the, is there? Did he do the remaster? Yeah, I'm gonna have to look this up, but the. the, uh, the yeah. So the last uh, two pieces, Dance on a Volcano and then a medley, the medley being Myopia, Slogans, and Los Endos. So, Ken Fuller, help me. What is Myopia and what is Slogans? They're, they're both Steve Hackett tracks. I don't know which album I, uh, off the top of my head. That, that all flowed together so nicely. Fantastic way to end. And when they finally hit the, uh, the melody in Los Endos, that's when I lost I was just going to say, I saw today, Steve must be enjoying this tour because they've just announced more U.S. dates Seriously? for February and March next year. Oh, indeed. I saw they uh, they, they announced the Scottish Rite Theatre, uh, which uh, is where we saw John Anderson. Yeah, and uh, Allentown, Miller Symphony Hall. So in your neck of the woods, as it were. Oh, I see. The the involvement with Stephen Wilson and Steve Hackett on the two CD set for Genesis Revisited. Stephen sings "Can Utility" in the Coastliners. Uh, I'm sorry, what's that? Apparently, back in 2012, Stephen Wilson tweeted that he was singing on "Can Utility" in the Coastliners on the Genesis Revisited two CD. So there, so there we are, Joe. That well, was uh... very, very cool. Like I said, I'm I'm very sad that I did not get to attend this, but I'm glad that you two guys did. And that's the beauty of these little special special concert series editions is that we get we get to talk to uh, to folks about some of these shows and uh, you know and to share it with with me as well as with our listen listeners. So that's that's fantastic. I definitely appreciate it. Sounds like, uh, you know, like I said, I have never, ever heard a bad word about a Steve Hackett show, certainly in the time that I have been cognizant of him, which is I mean, not that I didn't know who Stephen, Steve Hackett was, but I, I've i been aware of him sort of musically for probably about 20 years. Um, Ken Gregory actually put me on to that Genesis Revisited album that you had, um, Ken as well and I ended up the, the the story which I think I related at some point in an earlier episode was Ken had told me about it and I, I wound up buying the the wrong thing and somehow I wound up with the live tour, the Tokyo tapes from that one mm -hmm. which is absolutely spectacular and and yep. that with John Wetton is actually where I fell in love with Firth of Fifth 
because I, I at that point I was not as familiar with with the early Genesis catalog. So that was that was my gateway. Of course, it only got better when I discovered the original version. Yes, I mean he's he's played a lot live, Steve. Uh, recently, I, uh, I'm very much looking forward to. I think it's coming out later this month or maybe next month. Uh, DVD and CD of here, the band live with an orchestra, which was recorded at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh yeah, uh, and I have a friend who went to that, and it's an absolutely must-have when that comes out. Those those performances at the Royal Albert Hall are just off the hook. I the the few clips I've seen from the Merillion show there, just phenomenal, absolutely. Yep. You know, it's like when you get the opportunity to, to perform there, you know, the sky's the limit, it seems like. So that's that's something that you need to uh, to really pay attention to. Ken Gregory, do you recall back when we were doing this, was it, it was Supper's Ready, right? Where Steve Hackett performed with that Scandinavian group with the orchestra? Oh, indeed. Do you that's remember that? Fantastic yeah. Rendition. Yes, that was. Yeah, I think you can see that on YouTube. That's really good. Yeah, that that was that was absolutely incredible. Loved that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know why that just popped into my head. I, I guess what one of the things that I I kind of admire about Steve right now is Steve's really the 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 keeper of the Genesis flame at this point. You know, the other guys aren't aren't doing it. Um, so I think that's. You know, it, it, he seems to be very, very true to his portion of the catalog. And so I can, I can very much admire the way that he is, is keeping that music alive. And I think it's, it's spectacular. And I hope at some point, you know, I do get the opportunity to, to see him and his band perform live. Yeah, well worth it, John. Well worth it. Very, very cool. So any uh, any closing thoughts from either of you guys regarding this particular show here at the Keswick Theater? Uh, the news, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I caught a bit where Phil had a bit of a fall on stage. So Phil Collins uh, uh, touring, but, but um, the Not Dead Yet tour is not without a few bumps and scrapes. So all the best to him and any Genesis fans who claim not to want a reunion, you're lying. And uh, <laughs> we, we want Phil to be in good health and we want, we want Pete to, to show up in full form with his flute and, and we will and his bass cherish drum. every bit of his flute playing and his bass drum <laughs> and, 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 and all of that. And, and, and I'm sure the fans will um, go to great lengths to, to finance that, just make it happen and, and, and keep yourselves uh, in, in, in good form and in good health. Outstanding. Ken Fuller? Yeah, I mean, I would uh, <laughs> I would pay a lot of money for a reunion uh, show like that. But I sadly, I think it's as likely as a full yes reunion. <laughs> so I'm not holding my breath. Uh, but if I can see Steve Hackett do some of these songs again, I get the chance, I will certainly go. Awesome. Great. Well, again, I want to thank you guys for being the eyes and ears of the palaver at important shows like this. 
And obviously, for our listeners, anyone who has seen Steve Hackett on this tour or a previous tour, any thoughts or comments, questions, concerns that you have, we would love to hear from you. You can uh, reach out to us in the normal ways. That would be Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So, until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>